0: How do you like the subtle beginning to this message series, everybody? It's going to be a great day. If you would grab your worship guide, turn to the center so you could take some notes with us. If you're unfamiliar, your worship guide really is a guide. It helps you to find your way around here. A little letter from me, some details about what we do as a church on the back, a place to take notes in the middle so that you can keep up with us. If you're more tech savvy, you're like, you know, I, I haven't written with a pen in years. You can go to OneHopeChurch.com today, click on today's message notes, and you can follow along in detail with us for the message. I, I actually enjoy going online because it kind of gives me a heads up on when the pastor is going to finish up the message, everybody, all right? And so it's going to be a great day. And uh, with 2020 kicking off, we thought it would be a great time to focus on something special, to start the new year off with a new series simply titled Habits, to talk about how little things really lead to new possibilities in our lives. And over the years, over the years, I don't know if you've done this, I've I've read many, many self-help books. How many here have read a self-help book before? Come on, like how, how to do this and how to do that, find a new leadership in this environment. And so today, I'm going to actually give you a few points, for, you know, very much out of the Bible, but I'm actually going to quote a few mentors that really shaped my ideals and my, my thoughts concerning habits, and I thought right here at the beginning of the message, I'd tell you who they were so that when you hear it, you say, I think he got that from, and I did, I got it from them, that's what I did, and, and today I'm going to help you to uh, kind of focus on it. A couple of books that I've read recently that have helped me to develop habits is uh, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, Atomic Habits by James Clear, any stinking book by John Maxwell, everybody, all right, he's written like 60 of them, and then I often listen to Pastor Craig Groeschel as as a mentor, someone I've been able to meet and spend time with, and each of these individuals live exceptional lives when it comes to habits and how they interact with the world and the little things they do. I love the opener because it shows us how just one little domino, if you stack just enough momentum behind each domino, when it gets to the bigger domino, it falls and it falls and it falls until the large things you want to happen in your life actually are fulfilled because of the small daily things that we do. Some may say, well, pastor, why why do habits matter so much? If you're going to take some notes, you might want to write this line down. Habits matter so much because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people have figured out a way to do the, the small things. And so if they want to grow spiritually, you find someone who's phenomenal, living a phenomenal spiritual life. What you find is they do consistently these little things that other people kind of do just a few times a year. Find somebody whose finances are just like amazing, can't believe how successful they are financially. Well, you find that they do some small things consistently that other people only think about once or twice a year. You can follow that along to physical life. You find somebody that's a specimen. Come on, man or woman, you're like, ah, oh my gosh. Somebody like your pastor, okay? <laughs> now, y'all did not have to laugh that hard. May the Lord forgive you later, okay? Okay. You find someone who is just exceptional in a particular area, and it's not because they chose to work out one time last year. It's not because they chose to give up donuts one time. No, no. They do some things consistently that other people just do occasionally. You see this in relationships, finances, physical life, spiritual life. And and whenever you really come to the Bible, what you find is some of the most successful people even in the Bible, they, they never showed up and said, man, I just didn't have time to do that. You never find Jesus saying, oh, I wish I could pray more. Instead, what you see is Jesus regularly withdrawing from the crowd, regularly hitting pause on the party, everyone, right, and going to quiet places to seek God. If I'm the apostle Paul, who was the most prolific writer and church planter of the entire New Testament, and what he did consistently was use his time to go into the synagogues to preach the gospel, and then to go to the Gentiles to preach the gospel, he had this habit, the Bible says, of going to specific places at specific times to reach people for the gospel. And then even when he was in prison, he had the habit of writing letters, Thank God the Apostle Paul wrote some letters. Aren't you glad? Two-thirds of the entire New Testament of your Bible are letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, many of them in prison. He found a way to utilize the small moments in his life to make a huge difference. And I believe that it's important for us to recognize this. Sean Covey says that our habits, our habits will make us or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. So often we look at our lives and we see one mistake and we let that one mistake define us. No, no, what we want you to understand today is one mistake doesn't have to define your life, it's what you do consistently that defines who you actually are. See, perfect timing, I think this is probably the perfect timing to talk about this because in the new year we're all writing out our resolution list. I talked to a friend last week, he says every year on Christmas day I I write out my goals for the new year. Christmas day, really? On Christmas Day, I'm partying, everyone, right? Come on, the kids are dancing. They just got all their toys that they've been peeking and trying to figure out where they go. And he's like, no, every Christmas Day I take time. And I I give him a hard time because I love him so much. He's a dear friend of mine. I'm like, really? I I wait till I pray for 21 days before I write anything down. Because I find if I write anything down on Christmas Day, I lose it a little bit later. I have to wait to focus myself. But this is a perfect time because we're all writing resolutions. But I hate to tell you this, but 92% of New Year's resolutions will fail and they'll fail by February one. That's not an amen moment, is it, right? It's, a, it's an oh me, I can't believe that happens. Why? Why? Because we, we start with the wrong focus. We start with the result in mind. And it leaves us feeling like the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 7. It'll be on screen. Listen to what he says. He says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. <laughs> Instead, I do what I hate I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it. Come on, say we with me, I do it. Anyway, it's what happens to all of us. We find ourselves like the Apostle Paul. We wanna stop eating junk food. We wanna stop procrastinating. We wanna stop overspending at Target. Come on, ladies, where you at, right? And my wife says, I go in and I'm just going to get milk, and somehow we end up with 74 items. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says next. He says, I struggle with all these things. Now, this is the great Apostle Paul, still struggles. That's good news for us. He says, oh, oh, what a miserable person I am. He takes all of his interactions and now he internalizes them to his own identity. He begins to define himself by those things. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. And then he asks a great question and answers it for us. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer, would you say it with me, is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Right in the middle of his struggle, he says, you know what? I have all these things that I struggle with, as each of us do, as your pastor does. We all have things that we want to get better at, things that we want to grow in. We we have goals and goals and goals and goals, and we write them down, and we struggle to achieve them because quite often we're focused on the wrong thing. Well, the Apostle Paul says, when I go through that, I tend to begin to see myself in a way that isn't healthy. I begin to look at myself in a way that God never intended for us to look at ourselves and And so today, what I want to help you to understand is that there are some reasons why we don't succeed. There are some practical reasons why why we struggle in this area of our lives. And I want to give you three reasons and give you some practical thoughts under each one to help you to begin to grow in this particular area of your life. Because I don't know about you, I want to be better in 2020 than I was in 2019, Come on, it's a great day to say amen. You want to say it right there, right? Listen, I want to be better. I have told you guys very consistently that as I get older, I plan to get better looking. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Some of you may be planning on decline. I am not. I am not planning on decline. I'm planning on... (laughs) As my daughter tells me, Dad, what's coming in right there? Is that gray? (laughs) I told her to get thee behind me, Satan. I want to help you to be better because there's lots of reasons why we don't succeed. Why, 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 why do we generally fail? I'll give you the first one. Number one, we tend to focus on what but don't understand the how. We put all our attention on what we want rather than how we're going to get that thing. And so most people, we wake up and say, man, I want to be healthy. I haven't met anybody that says, man, I'm shooting for high cholesterol this year. Like, I haven't met anybody when they talk about their money. Do do they say, you know what? Like, uh, I'm planning on doubling my debt in 2020. Look out. I mean, look out, debt. Here I come. You know, like, no no one says those things, right? Why? Why? Because we all have lofty goals. Many of us would say, man, my, my goal is to enjoy God. And my goal is to make a difference with my life. And all those things are excellent things. But quite often, we focus on what rather than how. Let me say it to you this way. Most of us have similar goals but vastly different results. Most of us would write down very similar things. I want to be this way. I want to go this way. I want to do these things in my life. But unfortunately, we have vastly different results. James Clear, he, he says in his book that winners and losers, successful and unsuccessful, they all have the same exact goals. We all literally have the same exact goals, it's just how we approach those goals and what we do. Like every sports team, how many of y'all know that the Saints didn't set out this year and say, hey, we're going for fifth place? Come on, go Saints, go Tigers. How many of y'all saw Tulane the other day too? Come on, cranking it out, winning it up. Huh? Some of y'all old school, in New Orleans, you know Tulane, you gotta root for them a little bit more than LSU, right? Some I mean, of y'all are confused. I don't know what I'm talking about. My grandfather would go to a Tulane game far before he would go to an LSU game. The history of the city, he loved, he loved Tulane. And uh, if you go way back, you can actually see that Tulane and LSU played a few times until it was really bad for Tulane. <laughs> <laughs> see, goals, goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. It's not the goal that you write down that determines your success. We all have goals. Most people write down great goals, but it's, it's how and what you do in your daily life that determines whether you're actually going to find success. James Clear also says in his book, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you actually fall to the level of your systems. So, so whatever you're doing in your daily life, that's your system. Uh, wh- what do you do to budget money? That, well, that's your financial system. You say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't have any systems. Yeah, that's your system. See what you do every day is your system. What you eat every day is your system. What you, how you approach life—that's that's that's your system. That's how you're doing it. The question is: you can write anything you want. You can put any picture you want on the refrigerator. But if you never change the system, you'll never attain the goal. You got to change the system. You got to change the practical life. And said, "People, man, man. Every year I come to church on the first Sunday, and I say I'm going to be a better Christian, and then I only go three times that year. Well, can I tell you? If you want to be a better Christian, it takes more than three times of talking to Jesus." That was another, oh me, bad pastor. I shouldn't have said it, okay? But I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help you to realize that it's in the small things that we do. See, when I read the Bible, I actually see this everywhere. I see men and women of God who have practical habits, practical things that they're doing with their lives. For heaven's sakes, you remember the story of of Daniel in the lion's den. We all love how, how Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and the lions didn't eat him. How about you want that goal, right? I went on a safari last year, and I watched a pride of female lions go on a hunt and succeed in their hunt, and I sat 25 to 35 feet away and watched this pride of lions devour. Can I tell you, it's a little little startling. I'd show you the video, but some of you wouldn't come back. (laughs) My wife and I sat there and I was in the back of the Jeep, and they told me not to stand up, but I kept wanting to stand up. And they said, if you stand up, you single yourself out, and then the lions will want to eat you. And I just couldn't see that well, and I wanted to get it all on camera. Come on, social media, right? And I'm like leaning up, and next thing you know, you in the back, sit down. Joshua, we know who you are. <laughs> sit down. And what I saw was the reality of what it was like for Daniel to be thrown into a den, but many of us want the miracle that Daniel got, but don't realize that if you read the story of Daniel's life, that he, he bent the knee three times a day and prayed to God. He found a place three times a day. He had a system of seeking God, and he knew that if he, di- he died in the lion's den, he'd be okay because God was on the other side. He was willing to lose it all for God, but he bowed the knee three times a day. That was his system so much that the people who didn't even know God knew his system and tried to use his system against him and threw him in the lion's den. Think about, why do we even do 21 days of prayer? It's because of Daniel's life. Because Daniel said that he sought God and he fasted. And we call it even a Daniel fast because he gave up meats and he gave up uh, you know, the things that he would enjoy, all choice wines, and he ate, you know, fruits and vegetables. And in the process of that, he, he lived a healthy life. But his system is why he had such a successful life. So today, like, if you want to lose 20 pounds, or you want to be more organized, or you want to pay off your credit cards, is the, the mistake we make is that we're going to put all our attention on the goal rather than the habits and the practical systems that we have. And we need to change the systems that cause those results. And if we just change the systems, we, we fix what we would do, the result would fix itself. So you won't even have to write the goal down anymore. You just say every day I'm going to do, and you fill in the blank, and you live that practical life. You focus on how rather than what, and then all of a sudden what happens in every part of your life? It's one of the simplest things. It's the first reason we don't succeed. Here's the second, jot it down with me, is that we we don't see progress fast enough. This is one of the biggest deterrents because we start doing good things. It's like some of you like, you know, I walked on the treadmill three times this week and I gained two pounds. (laughs) It's happened to me. Has it ever happened to you? Or or you read the Bible app, like I started pastor, January 1, I'm reading the one year Bible with you, and then you were driving to church today and nearly cussed out your children. (laughs) Not y'all, not y'all. That's another church. <laughs> you don't buy coffee all month because you're going to save $100. I'm going to save $100. I'm not going to go to Starbucks. I'm not going to go to PJ's. I'm not going to go anywhere. Come on, pick your favorite spot in the city. I'm not going to Stumptown or Mammoth. I, I like coffee, all right? Like, I'm not going to go to any of these places. You save $100 and you get to the end of the month and instead of having $37,500 in debt, you have $37,400 in debt. And the progress, the progress is so slow. And so, what do we do? We, we wrongly conclude that small, good decisions don't matter that much. We wrongly conclude because it doesn't happen. We start saying, ah, it, does, it just doesn't matter. So, we go the other way and we start playing video games for three hours a day. And your wife doesn't leave you on the first day, it takes like three years of that. And so, we, we go the other direction. We start skipping church one weekend, doesn't seem to matter. We eat half a box of chocolates, can't really tell. And we wrongly conclude, we wrongly conclude that small bad decisions don't matter that much. See, we wrongly conclude that the small things don't matter and the, and, and, and the small things good don't matter and the small things bad don't matter. And, and we lose the focus that it's actually, it's in, the, it's in the daily things that we do, the small things that we do that change the trajectory of our lives. If you want to chop down a tree, you can get out there and go after it you can spend the whole day, you can spend weeks in a row and have calloused hands and sore muscles, and you can, you can try to do it as fast as possible and, and, and quite possibly lose your life trying to chop down the tree. Or you can sharpen the axe every day and go outside and just swing it five times. And eventually, eventually, you won't, you won't touch yourself, you won't overwhelm yourself, you won't even get any calluses from five times a day. You won't get any blisters, you won't even be sore, but I guarantee you if you swing that ax five times a day that eventually the tree will fall. Amen, everybody? Eventually it'll change. And so it just takes the small things that we do. And our life, our life is the sum total of the small decisions that we make. This is so important for us to realize and that is ultimately, if we want to change, we have to start looking at the small decisions that we make because the result that we have today is is the result of the small things that we decide daily. See, small decisions, small bad decisions, they rarely wreck the life all at once, but over time, they add up. And small good decisions, your hard work, your discipline, your sacrifice, your faithfulness, they're not being wasted either, can I tell you? Your good decisions are being stored up for you. The small incremental things that you're doing, the Bible says that you reap what you sow. And so when you start stacking up good stuff, God starts saying, oh, look out, good things are coming. We have this tendency, we have this tendency while we're in the waiting season for it to happen to wrongly conclude that it doesn't matter what we do today, and it does. Think of it this way. I don't know if you've ever boiled water. If you sit to watch water warm up to boil, it's kind of boring, right? You start and maybe the water's at 80 degrees and you're kind of sitting there and it's 85 and then it's 90 it's 100, it's 110. The water, I mean, it's a few bubbles, like bubbles. That's what my mom used to always say. Walk by and see what's happening with the water. Mom, there's some bubbles. Well, tell me when it's boiling. Well, bubbles have been there for a long time. You get to 205 degrees and You get even to 211 degrees. And can I tell you, that's some really hot water. But it's not until 212 that the water begins to rumble. And some people, some people will show up in your life when you're around 205. And they won't realize how long you've been doing the subtle things, how long you've been, been faithful in the little thing, and, and, and all of a sudden, in the next day you hit 212, and your life is boiling over with blessing, and they think, oh, they just, I mean, their daddy just gave them that. They didn't, I mean, they're, they're just an overnight success. Can I tell you, there's no such thing as an overnight success. Somebody had to turn the fire on, right? Someone had to turn it on, someone had to light the match, someone had to get the fire going, and they had to put the pot in place, and they had to keep the pot there when it didn't look like it was going to work. I'm preaching better than some of y'all amen And right now, I'm telling you, but here's the deal. Some of you, you've been waiting for God to show up, and the reality is you just need to keep the pot on the fire. You need to keep your life in the right place. You need to keep your life around the right people. It may be that you need to throw some things out of the pot, If you'll do that, you'll begin to see the water get warmer. You'll begin to see things change. See, many people don't see you overcoming self-doubt. They don't see you failing and starting again. They don't see you praying. They don't see you sacrificing. They don't see you enduring criticism. They don't see your early mornings, your late nights, your grind, your persistence. They don't see the private price that you pay. And so they wrongly conclude that you just got it all easily. Tell you what, I want you to understand is that some of you have been working hard for some things. Don't stop. Don't stop right before the miracle shows up. Don't stop right before the water starts boiling. Don't stop praying before your kid gets saved. Don't stop praying before God shows up on your behalf. You've been studying for years and years and years to be that doctor. Let me tell you, God's got a calling in your life to bring health and, and to, be, to meet people in a tremendous way. You need to just keep paying the price. Amen, everybody? See, it's, see the world, see, it's the things that no one sees. That bring the results that everyone wants it's the things that no one sees it's the moments loving your kid when it's hard to love them can I be real with y'all sometimes we were so excited about having kids God knows I didn't know how, how, how fun they were going to be and how hard it was going to be and see if they told me how hard it was going to be <laughs> we probably wouldn't have had any my dad just said oh they're so fun <laughs> When I was a youth pastor, I spent the first seven and a half years uh, of my pastoral career as a youth minister. And my dad, as soon as I, when I got married, he's like, "Hey, when you all going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? You need to have kids. Like we need to have kids." I said, "Dad, I know what they turn into." He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "They turn into teenagers, and I don't want any." At the time, as a youth pastor, I had over a hundred teenagers, and just keeping them to keep their pants on was a was a. <laughs> that was a Welcome to One Hope Church, everybody. (laughs) You remember when you were 16, too. It's the small things. Think of Galatians chapter 6. Read this verse with me. Come on, every voice in the room. They're going to put it on screen. Come on, every voice. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Hey, don't become weary. Some of you say, "Well, I just started." Well, then you're not tired. Praise God! Keep on going. It's a new year. Go for it. But here's the deal: you can't, you can't let yourself get weary in doing good. It is now's the time to, to push forward. You're going to reap a harvest if you will not give up. And I believe that this is going to be a special year for our church. And you may say, "Well, Pastor, were you talking about a special year?" I'm not talking about an organization. You're the church. I believe that this is a special year for you. I think every new year is exciting. Every new year is blessed and favored of God. But I do believe there are certain years where God moves in big ways. There were certain times in the history of Christianity where big moves were made. And then we had to live with the move that we made. I'm just telling you, I believe, I believe that this year is going to be a year that we look back and say, oh my God, look what the Lord has done. But it's going to begin with you and I, you and I focusing on the small things. Not getting distracted with everything that's around us. So we tend to fail because we focus on what but don't understand the how. Secondly, we, we don't see progress fast enough. And thirdly, we tend to fail because our distorted identity sabotages our success. We let what happened to us begin to define us. Think of the words of the Apostle Paul when he said, oh, what a miserable person I am. He looked at all of his mistakes and began to see himself as his mistakes. And today, if I could help you in any way, I would help you to stop focusing on what happened, what was, the moment that was in the past, and I would focus on who you want to become and where God is taking you. One of the joys of Christianity is that you realize that God decided that every moment of your life could be a new moment. Every second's a new second. Every minute's a new minute. Every hour's a new hour. Every day's a new day. Every week's a new week. Every month's a new month. Every year's a new year. What is God trying to say to us? Stop looking backwards. Today's a new day. Amen, everybody? Come on. You're not what happened to you, and you're not what you did. You are what God has called you to be. And if you will focus your attention, not on the miserable past, but on the potential of your future, you will begin to see the world differently and the results will change because instead of seeing yourself negatively and sabotaging yourself, you'll begin to see yourself the way God sees you. See, we, 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 we didn't do it right. We say, I'm not good at it. And so that must be what I am. You know that Moses saw himself poorly and failed because he wasn't a good speaker he stuttered and so he thought he couldn't fulfill the calling of God in his life. Gideon saw himself as the weakest of God's people and yet God used him for his glory. The Apostle Paul said he was the least and the most unworthy of all the apostles and yet God used him. So you have to stop seeing yourself, you have to stop being so 2019. It's time to be 2020, right? In 2020, you smile more. Why? Because you're happy. In 2020, you're financially successful because I'm a disciplined person. Who are you? A disciplined person. Who are you? A child of God. I don't see myself based upon my past. I see myself based upon what God says about me. See, we have this tendency. We say things like, well, I just have an addictive personality, so I guess I'll drink. You know, I really stink at handling money, so might as well use the credit card again. I'm not organized. I'm not disciplined. I'm not good with people. All those things are lies that the enemy has spoken to you and you have digested them and they're sabotaging your future success because you begin to believe the lie more than the truth. Listen, did God make you fearfully and wonderfully in his image or not? I know some of you have got questions to God one day. I do too. you like, oh, God, why didn't you give me the size nose you did, right? I, I, I have questions, right? Uh, some of us like how literal or how much hair we have. We have questions for God. I do. I do. I have questions why God made some of us the way that he did. But here's the deal. Don't let those questions begin to see yourself less than the way God sees you. Either you are intentional or you're an accident. And I know what the world has been saying most of your life. You're a, we're the result of a cosmic accident. And if you're the result of a cosmic accident, you are beautiful. The re- reality, the reality is in order for you to be beautiful, it couldn't have been an accident. As you look in this new year, I want you to see yourself more intentionally than ever. I want you to see yourself the way God, the way God sees you. See an unhealthy identity creates unwise habits, and unwise habits reinforce an unhealthy identity. Say it again, an unhealthy identity creates unwise habits, and unwise habits reinforce an unhealthy identity, and you begin this backward cycle of life. You made a mistake, you begin to define yourself by that mistake, and so then you're a mistake. And so I must just, I I have to keep making mistakes. And today I'm here to tell you in this new year, we're going to break that cycle. Amen, everybody? We're going to see ourselves the way God sees us. I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to take a different approach this year. Most people create what we call do goals. I want to do this. I want to read that. I want to get more sleep. I want to encourage you to do the opposite. No do goals. I want you to write down who goals. I want you to write down who you are, who you're becoming. Don't write down the list of things you want to do. No, no, write the person that you're going to be. Because if you'll change who you are, you begin to change the things that you do. When you know who you are, you know what to do. People say, well, pastor, why are you so honest? Because I'm a Christian. Pastor, why are you kind? Because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. On the days I'm not kind, those are the days I've, I've stepped away a little bit from the character and the nature of Jesus. Amen? Yeah. You want to know how I can tell if I've spent time with God? I can tell by how angry I get about things. I'm not talking about a godly anger. I'm not talking about someone who's, who's been taken advantage of and that frustration. I'm talking about the, the anger that shows up in our lives. When that happens, I begin to realize, wow, I've, I've drifted further, further from who I'm supposed to be. Friend of mine was recently telling me about a story. I have quite a few pastors that are friends and uh, they were sitting in their office and while they were in the office, they were looking at the window and when they were looking at the window, they saw two teenage boys engage in an all out fist fight. And when they saw it, their first reaction, he said, the first reaction was to be like 10th grade boys. And they ran out of the office screaming it's a fight it's a fight it's a fight and they ran out of the door and their first thoughts were like hit him hard anybody remember 10th grade fights <laughs> hit him again and they were like almost egging these teenage boys on and then both the pastors looked at themselves in the same moment and they said we're adults not only are we adults we're christians not only are we christians we're pastors. What are we doing out here? And they broke up the fight. And I thought, what a what a compelling thought. How that when we lose sight of who we are, all sorts of things are acceptable. But if you remember, if you remember who you really are, it changes the things that you do. Here's our closing passage of scripture, Romans chapter six and verse six. He says, we know, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin for when we die with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now you are free. You are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Who are you? You're a child of God. Who are you in Christ? You're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're an overcomer. Listen, listen, I, I need you to hear this. You have to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. So I showed you the unhealthy, here's the healthy. A Healthy identity creates positive habits and positive habits, they reinforce the healthy identity. And all of a sudden you get to the end of 2020, you're like, oh, look what the Lord has done. Look what God has done. So, who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? I want to encourage you in these next 21 days to ask God, God, who should I become? How should I grow? What do you want me to look like? And the more you look like Jesus, the better you'll become. Almost 16 years ago, I read a book that challenged me to write my own epitaph. That's what's going to be on my gravestone. What would I want the world to say about me? And in that moment, I had to come back and say, who do I want to be? If I want them to say it about me, then who do I want to be? And I began to write, I wrote just a a couple of simple lines. It's not gonna be on screen, I'll tell you what I wrote, but here's the deal, I don't want you to write it down, I want you to think about who you want to be. Here's what I simply said, I said, Joshua, I wanted to be set on that, it's gonna be the, you know, my name, you know, uh, the, the years, I'm gonna live a long time, okay, get ready. Joshua walked worthy of his calling. That'd be the first line. With God, by endeavoring to know him more intimately. With family, to live selflessly in love, relationship, and provision. And with life, to be mission-driven and life-giving in every opportunity. I just decided what kind of person I want to be. You may say, well, that's pretty vague. Well, there's some more details. I didn't give you all of them. But I wrote the goal pretty clear of who I want to be. As we close today, that's the question. No single action changes your identity, but multiple actions over time changes how you see yourself and eventually changes you. Would you bow with me as we close in prayer today? It's the question of the day. Who do you want to become? Not what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we are beginning this new year of 2020 in this moment, If you're here today and you've decided to be here because you want to change the trajectory of your life, I want to honor that decision to be here. But don't stop short because the Bible is very, very clear. You're one prayer away from changing everything. And if you'll surrender control of your life and say, I want to become like Jesus today. If you set Jesus as the goal of who you want to become life, everything this year will change. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand. I will not ask you to come to the front. But if you're here today and you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, would you whisper this prayer? I'll say the words. You say them right after me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name. Just a moment longer, would you focus on prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for every person on the sound of my voice, those who just made the decision to follow you, those who are following you for many, many years. God, I pray a blessing over this year that we will become the people you've called us to be, that God, we will follow you consistently in every area of our lives, that God, we won't follow you occasionally. We will be a light in this world because every day we'll have the habits and the disciplines that look like you. And God, I bless every person here today. I thank you for them. We thank you for this time today. In Jesus' mighty name, the church said amen together. Amen and amen.